Thank you so much for tuning in to my show. Today I have with me Johnny Whitaker. He's American actor of film and television for many years. And he's sitting here with me. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm excellent. Thank you. Good to be with you, Kathy. Yes, it's good to hear your voice. And um, tell me about um, what's been going on. I mean, I haven't had you on my show in quite a while. And uh, first of all, let's introduce yourself to my listeners, and there might be some new listeners as well. Well, how do you want me to introduce myself? <laughs> how long have you been, you know, in show business and acting and all that? Oh, well, um, my name is John Orson Whitaker Jr., mm -hmm. but uh, better known to friends and fans is Johnny Whitaker, mm -hmm. started uh, show business at the age of three and a half when I was um, in a children's chorus uh, in the LDS congregation, and um, my sisters and I had a solo, and I messed up the words, but I continued to just sing and smile. And um, a member of the congregation thought that was pretty cute and that I, at three and a half, I didn't get too flustered. So she sent me to see her son's agent that I did and um, got my first job on my first interview and then went from commercials to playing the first um, Scotty Baldwin on uh, General Hospital. Then I did a couple of other TV series um, pilots, Slattery's People and um, then went on to do a film called The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, where I met Brian Keith, who was preparing to do a series for DS called Family Affair, and he would uh, be the star, and it was set for a bachelor uncle who get stuck with his three, his two nieces and nephew that were 16, 10, and six. Mm -hmm. But uh, Brian wanted me to be on the series and they didn't have a role for a six-year-old boy, but he said he could be a you know neighborhood friend to the little girl. They had me come in to audition and all of a the sudden, they saw that Anissa Jones and myself looked like we could be twins. And so they changed it from a 10 year old boy and a six year old girl to six year old twins. Mm -hmm. um, a family affair went on to become quite a, a phenomenon and well received with Emmy Awards and accolades and. Uh, 
always in the top 10 Nielsen ratings at the time. Mm -hmm. And we finished filming that in 1991 when CBS had a change in their um, management. And then I went on to do four Walt Disney movies, uh, one with uh, Jodie Foster and Michael Douglas called um, uh, Napoleon and Samantha, mm -hmm. and then a, another one called um, uh, Mystery in Dracula's Castle with a friend of mine for many years, Scott Colden. Mm -hmm. um, after the Disney movies, they were looking for the star for an upcoming film, The Musical Adventures of Tom Sawyer, written by the famous Sherman Brothers. And um, they then invited me to audition. I auditioned and I got the part of Tom Sawyer, but I didn't want it because I was planning on going to Boy Scout camp that year. <laughs> But I uh, came back um, with a better offer, so I decided that I would do it. And um, then after Tom Sawyer, I did Family Affair. I'm sorry, I did, after Tom Sawyer, I did Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Mm -hmm. And... Um, after Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, I did a family variety show, Brothers and Sisters. Um, and then Anissa Jones was found dead. She was my sister from Family Affair. And I decided I better cool the jets for a little while. And Hollywood doesn't like it when you do that. So I was not welcomed back to Hollywood after um, leaving. But um, that's kind of my childhood entertainment story in mm -hmm. uh, in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And but I I've seen all um, Walmart, Hallmark, Hallmark movies, and you know a few Disney, you know lately. So you're still doing something out there. Oh, Family Affair is being streamed. It's being shown, but I don't see one red cent. Mm -hmm. What about, um, I mean, aren't you still acting, doing, you know, peer? You know, people have mentioned to me, oh, I've seen them here, I've seen them there. And so are you still doing Oh, yeah, I continue to act mm -hmm. um, all the time. And uh, I'm uh, just preparing a... Uh, a film right now which is a short film that i'm i've written produced and will direct and uh, really excited about that it's called uh, sky blue mm -hmm. if anybody's interested they can go to skyblue.movie and that's s-k-y-e-b-l-e-u mm -hmm. dot movie mm -hmm. and that should be starting filming in um, 
February or March of next year. We planned on starting in uh, October of this year, mm-hmm. but due to um, the actor's strike and the writer's strike, we were had to postpone it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I've also got a documentary film that I'm preparing on the drug policy of Portugal. Mm-hmm. I was a Mormon missionary there, missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, back uh, from 1979 to 1981 in Portugal. Mm-hmm. And um, 50 years later, 45 years later, I go back to Portugal to bring to the world their innovative uh drug policy and um, hopefully bring other people to realize that incarceration is not the answer or the only answer to help individuals who have drug or other addictive diseases. Mm -hmm. I noticed that our, even in the United States, our prisons, I mean, our, excuse me, our jails are full of, you know, those who, can, you know, were busted for drugs and things like that. And, uh, you know, I thought, what's going on? Why do we have so many there when the other criminals are walking away? <laughs> but anyway, but well, yeah, there is a disease. It is a disease. our justice system is totally messed up, upside down right now. Our justice system is all benefiting the perpetrator and nothing helping the uh, individual, the injured. It's all in the name of equity and justice. And we need justice for all, not just the perpetrator. Uh, And we need justice to help individuals who are stuck in a cycle of vicious family violence, vicious family, oppression, poverty, um, the main reason why people go to um, theft, go to drugs, go to try to make an easy dollar or an easy buck. Mm -hmm. Um, But just letting people get away with things because of their color or because they're poor um, in my opinion, is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're doing, you're doing something like a film or something down in, um, in South America, and you're, they're trying to help awareness. Is that correct? Yes. And then it's not South America. Portugal is right next to Spain. Oh, okay. Sorry, I got my geographic wrong. Um, and um, on the uh, European, the Western European uh, coast. Okay. Wow. Okay. And uh, so when is that going to be coming out again? Repeat that. Well, um, I started doing some of the filming back in 2000. 15, 16, and 17, and then COVID we got hit. the uh, 
COVID, so I had to put it on hold. And now we're look, looking for funding, and like everybody is. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this act? You know, the strike with the actors and the writers. Do you think it's going to end by the end of this year? Well, small productions and small producers. It won't necessarily hurt them because um, they're pretty cool. <laughs> it's the big producers like Disney, Paramount, um, Universal, the big studios that want to take your photo or your image and with uh, artificial intelligence, they can, uh, well, they also have where they can put these dots on you and take your movement uh -huh. and okay. your movement and your facial features and all of this and with artificial intelligence create the movie. Well, they create the movie and they've paid you for that session, mm -hmm. but then they can take that likeness, that image, and that movement and use it in any number of films without paying the actor. Oh. And that's one of the main reasons we are fighting because we don't believe that is fair, and I agree that uh, the producer should not be able to use one photo or one image multiple times in multiple films without being paid for it. Mm -hmm. But that's just one of the many problems. Um, streaming, uh, in the past, we would get residuals for every time that a film was shown mm -hmm. and um, now that in a streaming service it's being shown thousands of times in a day mm -hmm. they feel that you know there's just no way to keep track of that but of course they're making money the producers because netflix or whatever they give them a lump sum and they don't want to share that money with uh, others. Interesting. So, um, so it's better to be a producer than it is an actor right well, now. I wouldn't say better, but you can see how many of the actors who make a very good living have become producers because then they have more uh, control over their image and what it is and where that film or where that um, where that image of that individual goes and who has the right to use it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but you need 
without a producer, you can't do anything for sure. Of course. But a producer, unless he's a writer, director, actor, musician, um, I think 150 to 200,000 members of SAG-AFTRA, there are only about 15% that make more than $20,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And so if the actors, excuse me, if the actors aren't working, um, they'll just find another actor mm -hmm. and um, for the poor actor who doesn't make that much money, um, you know, it's a real, a, it hurts a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And um, say something like Tom Cruise, and the others out there that are big names, it's not hurting them at all. Is that correct? Well, Tom Cruise and, um, you know, the A-list, uh -huh. they've got millions, if not close to billions of dollars in companies that, and, you know, income streams that, they never have to worry or their children or grandchildren never have to worry about working mm -hmm. at all. But if they are members of SAG-AFTRA, even if they're a big producer actor, they are not supposed to be acting right now. Mm -hmm. Except uh, they just got a reprieve where some of the smaller, um, producers can go ahead and continue their films. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I noticed, Johnny, that you have something coming up here in Utah. You want to talk about that? Well, um, I'm coming on um, August, the end of August for the um, uh, it's a uh, Western Legends okay. Festival. Um, uh -huh. I made a film in uh, Kanab, Utah. Uh, I did a two-parter for Gunsmoke, which was filmed entirely in, uh, in Kanab. And um, they, during this Western Legends um uh-oh, my um, gardener decided to start blowing. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, we don't hear we it. can go to a commercial and come back? No, we don't have any commercials. This is straight talk. Um, because he's not going to stop. I don't hear it at all. We don't hear it. We don't hear no garden. 
So you're going to be coming here to Utah. It's the end of the August. You're going to be doing, is it like a theater play? What, what, I mean, I see some posting out there on the internet, but, um, um, yeah, it's in kind of, it's a Western musical fiesta. So, um, I guess we're going for 24, 25th, 26th, and the 27th. Hello? Hello? Well, I think we lost him. That was Johnny Whittaker. Uh, he's American film and television, and he's still producing and still in, doing some films for us. And for all those who've been listening in, thank you so much for tuning in. And this is the Kathy Lee Parker Show. Until then, bye-bye.